It's nice to see you here this morning. It's, our, it's, it's an opportunity for all of us to uh, uh, be blessed by the, uh, the message being brought by Pastor Steve Lee. Uh, he is uh, candidating to, uh, to be our senior pastor here, basically to round out our wheel. And uh, so this is Pastor Steve. This is lovely wife Jennifer. And Steve, it's the, the pulpit is yours. Now, if you want, we can bring a little one out here if, if it's more, wherever you're comfortable at. Yeah, well, actually, uh, he's, he's grabbing it right now. I know we have some that like to be down here. We have some that want to be up there. It's, it's whatever floats their boat. So I just want to say a prayer right now for Pastor Steve. Uh, Father God, we just pray for Pastor Steve as he shares the message with us this morning. We just pray that uh, your will be accomplished in his life and in, and in the life of this church. Lord, we just are calling upon your discernment. We're just calling upon your grace in all the decisions and the things that we do. Uh, we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you uh, this morning and uh, just... Um, worshiping together with you, uh, I feel the presence of God here. And uh, my wife and I, uh, Jennifer, as we're driving here, uh, we're not familiar to Norwalk. We live in Chino Hills. But, uh, but wow, we, we drove around a little bit in this community, and we realized that there's definitely a lot of needs here. And um, looking at the church's website and the bulletin today, I realized uh, I'm so attracted to the church and its involvement or its desire to be more deeply involved in the community. And so um, I just applaud you guys for um, being so faithful. And as I uh, heard a little bit from one of the elders um, that, um, you know, you guys have been looking and um, even without like a permanent shepherd, you know, Jesus Christ is our chief shepherd. And so as we continue to trust him, uh, I pray that God's blessings and the best days to come will happen for this church. Let me begin with a word of prayer. Father, as we once again come before your throne, and we know that you're here, God, may your word that never fades away, Lord, speak to our hearts, and may Christ be glorified. Lord, this is, Lord, your church, and God, we are your servants. We are your sons and daughters. So I thank you for everyone here. We even lift up those who could not make it today. Uh, our church members, our brothers and sisters, we ask that you be with them wherever they are now, that they would feel your presence and your love and most of all your faithfulness uh, with them. God, be with us now. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, the words that we speak are very reflective of who we are. Our words alone can uh, change the entire environment of a room, in which case a true story it did for a young seventh grader who had the great uh, privilege of giving Patrick Henry's great address at a PTA meeting room full of parents. And he did well uh, until he got to the great line where he said, give me puberty or give me death. <laughs> supposed to be liberty. As Christians, we are instructed to be very wise with our speech, and we're told to be very careful for three very important reasons, which our passage this morning in James chapter 3 clearly shows. So if we could all turn to James chapter 3. And as you're turning to James chapter 3, the context of this is James is writing 
uh, to all believers, but in specifically his speaking to teachers, people who uh, who teach the word of God because they uh, are speaking more within the church and they will be held more accountable. And so in verse one, he says, uh, James, chapter three, verse one. He begins by saying, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that you who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Verse two of James three. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. There is no perfect man except Christ himself. And so therefore he is warning us, all believers, but especially teachers, to be very careful. And so myself and others who teach within the church, you don't have to per se be a pastor, but if you teach your Sunday school teacher, a high school teacher, a pastor, uh, any capacity, he warns us to be careful with our speech. There are three important reasons why it is critical for us to speak um, with a controlled tongue. And if you're taking notes, the first reason why a controlled tongue is necessary is because it is powerful. Our words are powerful. Let's take a look at verse 5 of James 3. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Let me stop there. James is saying that although the tongue is small, it's petite, it's powerful. And in verses 3 through 5, he gives us three great examples of how powerful the tongue is, although it's one of the smaller parts of our body. Look at verse 3. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. These little bits are harnesses, that these metal harnesses that go in and around the horse's mouth and an average grown horse weighs a thousand to twelve hundred pounds and it could this small harness this metal harness within the mouth of a horse can make the horse go left right stop go and then he says in verse four or take ships as an example although they are so large and are driven by strong winds they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go entire ship is controlled and moved by this rudder and then he says in verse five the latter part of verse five, consider what a great forest is set on by fire by a small spark. I know that where we live, there was uh, some fires in the Pomona area and also Elisa Viejo in another part of town. And so um, these these all these three examples in verses three through five magnify the fact that our tongue, although it's petite, although it's small, it's powerful. As we all know, with the tongue, with just a few words, the president of the United States can declare or end war. A jury can inter in, uh, uh, determine the entire destiny of a person's future by just a few words, guilty or, or not guilty. And uh, a girl can capture uh, uh, a guy's heart by uh, simply saying, when you ask, will you marry me? Yes or no. In which case, thank God I've been praying. Uh, my wife now uh, said yes, and uh, and we've been married now. And and so words are powerful. The words that we speak impact people's lives. It can make or break a person's day. It impacts the culture of a church. As a matter of fact, in the book of Genesis, when God spoke, let there be light. When he spoke, it impacted. And so words have consequences. The first reason why a controlled tongue is necessary is because our words are powerful. We are going to be held accountable for every word that we speak. According to James chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, 
In Matthew 12, 36 through 37, Jesus says, but I tell you, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Our words have power. Um, Think of these words. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields. We shall fight in the streets. We shall fight in the hills and we will never surrender. With these words, Winston Churchill inspired his weary nation to fight valiantly. Or consider the words of Dr. King. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. These words spoken in very different kind of context to a massive crowd permanently change the race relations in our society. We have a still a long way to go, but our words have the power to uplift and encourage or negatively speaking, it has the power to tell, tear down and to and to destroy and to crush. And I just want to uh, stop here and pause and ask uh, every one of us, including myself. What were the words that we spoke this week? Maybe to our spouse, maybe to our kids, maybe to people at church. But not even words that we spoke, but the words that we even thought. Because the Bible says in Psalm nineteen fourteen, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, David prays this, may be pleasing to your sight. So it's not only spoken words, but it's words that are unspoken that will be held accountable, according to James. The tongue is evil. It is powerful. Second point, rather, is the tongue has the potential to, uh, in, in the words that James uses, he calls it evil. Look at verse 7 through 8. He says, all kinds of animals, James 3, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The second reason why we need to uh, control our tongue. The first reason is because it's powerful. The second reason is because our tongue has the ability to curse. Our tongue has the ability to hurt. And the example that uh, James gives in verses 9 through 10 is very important. If we read it, James chapter 3, 9 and 10. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men. Who have been made in God's likeness. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers, this shall not be. James is pleading with believers now. Saying that we praise God at church one minute. As soon as we hit the parking lot. As soon as Monday morning comes. As soon as we go home. We curse men. We gossip. We complain. It involves not only our words that are spoken, but our thoughts that we have. And he says, this should not be. This should not be. And what is a stern warning in verse 9 is, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. What James is highlighting is one of the biggest reasons why a lot of unbelievers do not come to Christ. And that's because of hypocrisy. You know, one of the greatest ways that we can uh, witness is through our words. I believe missions is very important overseas as well as local missions. 
And I love what this church does with Urban Hope and how it's involved in the city and in its backyard. But one of the greatest ways that we witness every day is through our words. By what we say, people see our character and people see our faith in God or they don't see. And so it's so critical. And I like verse 9 and 10 because it's so practical. Because a lot of times... A lot of the pain uh, that comes as a result of our lives are not just circumstances or people outside of the church, but a lot of times the pain that we experience is within the church. And that was true in James's day. And so he says, we cannot be hypocrites. We cannot just have the right theology and the right beliefs about God, but it needs to manifest in our hearts. And I love what he says in verse uh, 11, can both water... James 3.11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Verse 12, my brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What is saying? His, James is saying that the root cause of our, of our words, of our potentially harmful words, is not curbing our tongue, but it's actually our hearts. Our hearts are where our words come from. The Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the, the remedy to curbing our words is not trying harder, not reading self-help books, but is coming before the cross. And Psalm 1914, the prayer of David, may the words of my mouth, God, and we pray this every day, and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. God, may your gospel and may your cross and may your forgiveness heal my heart of any anger, of any anxiety at work, in my marriage, at home, with raising kids, with finances, with a family member that's ill. God, may it, may it touch my heart every day. That's the key. That we experience the gospel every single day and the love of God and the forgiveness of God that he's given us through Christ Jesus. That what does Romans 12 say? Do not be overcome by evil. But help me along, overcome evil with good. God says, it is my, through Apostle Paul, it is mine to avenge. Do not be overcome by evil, but you overcome evil by good. People are slandering you. People are talking about you. Don't, don't do eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But, you know, matter of fact, Jesus says in Matthew 5, those who persecute you, pray for those who persecute you. So those people that slander you, that gossip you, that hurt you, Jesus says, no, you pray for them. You pray for them. You pray that God will bless them. You pray that Jesus will become more real in their life. Not just their beliefs, but from head to toe, in every corner of their being, that the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ would absolutely overwhelm them, melt their hearts. And you pray. And this is what we find throughout the gospel. The key to right talk ultimately comes from the right heart. The Bible says in Proverbs ten nineteen, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. As a matter of fact, James says in chapter 1, be slow to speak, but quick to listen. Maybe one of the greatest applications is for us to maybe pause before we say something. 
The Bible speaks about praying without ceasing. That every time we have a conversation with someone, we're praying. And we're asking God for wisdom. Just a couple of uh, ways that we can fill our hearts with God and with Christ and Him being not only Savior but Lord is prayer. David says again in Psalm 19.14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Every day we come before the Lord and say, God, although you have given me the gospel and you have saved me and your son lives inside of me, I am prone to sin. Apostle Paul says in Romans, the things that I'm supposed to do, I do not do. And the things that I'm not to do, I keep on finding myself doing. He says, what a wretched man I am. But what does he say? But thanks be to Christ, who has saved a wretched sinner like me. My encouragement to you is for all of us to pray daily and bring our hearts before the Lord, our brokenness, our sins. Say, God, touch my heart today. I cannot do this day without you. Secondly, we need to expose ourselves to God's word. John seventeen seventeen, Jesus says, sanctify by them, by them, by the truth, your word is truth. We need to allow the word of God to not only fill our minds, but we need the word of God to touch, to heal. I think doing uh, devotionals every day, reading the Bible every day is wonderful. Bible reading plan is wonderful. But I think one of the things that uh, I would like to encourage all of us to do is also learn how to meditate and to go deeper into God's word and allow God's word as we read it and we combine it with prayer for it to heal us on the spot or even later that day. That we would experience God's word in a powerful way. And then thirdly, the third way that we can have a heart that is right for God to use, that won't retaliate, but that would bless rather than curse, is first is prayer. Second is God's word and obeying God's word. And the third thing I would say is that um, we would spend time worshiping. The songs that we sang today were absolutely wonderful and it blessed my heart. And I love to worship God. Getting into my car, pop in a Christian music and listen and allow God's word to fill my heart. All these things fills your heart. Prayer fills your heart. God's word fills your heart. And worship fills your heart. And that allows us to become a little bit more like Christ today than we were yesterday. That's what we need to remember as we live our lives. One of my favorite worship songs is, I don't know if you guys sing it at the church, but the lyrics is, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, and how he healed me to the uttermost. It makes me want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Your Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and honor. And just constantly thinking about the cross and thinking about God's love and thinking about the gospel, that melts my heart more than anything. Anything. Do you guys know that in the Old Testament, the whole scripture is about Christ. In the Old Testament, his predicted. Then in the Gospels, his incarnated. And then in the Acts, he is preached. In the Epistles, his explained. 
And in Revelation, Jesus Christ is expected. The whole scriptures is this narrative about this romantic love story that God has for us. And how his son is the hero. How he is our savior. He is our Lord. Not only for the biblical times, but even for today. And I need to constantly remind myself that Jesus is my savior. But I always need to submit under his lordship. Even with my tongue. And how I do that is getting my heart right. By coming before him in prayer. Praying to God. Crying out to him. Bible says in James 4, 6. God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. God, help me. I am prone to sin with my mouth. God, touch my heart. Heal my heart. Getting into God's word. Asking God's word. Jesus says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. And then just worshiping him. Our brother earlier read, uh, I believe, uh, the Psalms today. And allowing God's word to touch your hearts. Matthew Henry, a famous Bible commentator, was robbed one day. And this is what he wrote in his diary. He says, let me be thankful. And he gives the first reason, because I was never robbed before. He just got mugged. Second, because they took my wallet, but they didn't take my life. Thirdly, because although they took my all, it wasn't much. And fourthly, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. How many people could you find that would give four reasons to be thankful after getting mugged? Matthew Henry didn't use words of anger or bitterness, but he used words of restraint and grace in his ordeal. We must develop the habit of seeing God in every situation, just like he did, and seeing people and the world through the eyes of Christ. Whenever Jesus performed a miracle, a healing, uh, I love him because he always uh, exercised grace and compassion. I remember how he responded to that one woman who committed adultery. All the religious leaders were getting ready to stone her and they gathered around her with their stone. And we all know this famous story. Jesus knelt down and he started scribbling uh, in the sand. And what did Jesus say? He said, he who is without sin, help me along, cast the first stone. And scholars say what he was writing down, and we don't know for sure, but they say that what he was writing down were the sins of those men who were ready to stone her. And the Bible says each person dropped their stones until it was just Jesus and the woman. And Jesus looks into the eyes of this woman who was guilty. And he says, neither do I condemn you, but now go and sin no more. What I love about Christ, oh yeah, he addresses the sin. But you guys have heard this. Love the sinner, address the sin. How did he love the sinner? Neither do I condemn you. How does he address the sin? But now go and sin no more. Ephesians 4.15 talks about speaking the truth in love. That's the key. Speaking the truth in love. But I find in myself as well, a lot of times I just want to speak the truth. Because I don't have time to love you. But the Bible says no. Ephesians 4.15, if you read that whole verse in 16, it says only when you speak the truth in love, you will grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. 
A church that has right theology, right Bible teaching, without love cannot grow into Christ. It must be accompanied by love. It must be accompanied by love. Growing up, my mom was a typical Korean mom. And, uh, you know, there's this myth that Asians are smart. Um, and I didn't do good in school. I was an average to below average student. And um, math was really bad. That's another myth. Okay? I was the worst in math. Well, uh, growing up, I don't know if it was just in the Korean home or the Asian home, but when I got bad grades, my mom would spank me. And she would spank me with a fly swatter, the plastic one, on my butt and my calves. And, uh, and so every time grades came along, during that time, it wasn't through internet, but it was through mail. Um, I always tried to catch the mail, but one time, uh, the mail came first. And uh, I knew I was going to do bad. I know my grades were bad. And so we lived in a house in Upland where our home was circular from the dining room to the living room. And you could actually go around the house inside one of those houses with a screen door to the backyard. Well, one time my mom also was a, 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 a big woman and um, and she was strong. And so one time I think it was sixth grade or so in my mind as I was running away from her in that circle uh, I decided I'm not going to stop and get hit this time. And so, but my mom kept on chasing me. So in my mind, as I'm running, we have a screen door. I just quickly went, I don't even know how I opened it. Uh, and I opened it and I jumped into our pool. Why? Because my mom can't swim. <laughs> and I was doing backstrokes and going breaststrokes and enjoying it. And she was on you know, the area, the ground area, looking at me, angry. And she went into the house. I swam for another hour. And then as sun went away and it was getting nighttime, I was hungry and cold. I go back, try to open the back door into the house, and she had locked it. I went to the front door, she had locked it. The whole house was locked. I remember crying my way home into the house, and she eventually let me in. Uh, my mom currently, she's in her mid-80s, and she has a severe case of Alzheimer's, and she's in a memory facility unit in Chino Hills. I visit her three times a week. She's completely forgotten who I am. When I go visit her, I, um, you know, spend time with her, try to feed her dinner, and I say, Mom, this is your son, Steve. This is your son, Steve. And she doesn't recognize me. I, I tell her, who, is the, who am I? Who am I? She doesn't say anything. Her eyes are just blank. In that condition, um, as I spend time you know, feeding her and just spending time with showing her pictures, um, and it's hard. It's hard when you have a parent that has Alzheimer's and that has forgotten you. But... I always tell her three things when I'm there. Mom, I love you. God loves you. And one day, because the Bible says so, when you get to heaven, when I get to heaven, when Christ comes, you will have a new mind and a new body. And I preach the gospel to her. 
And it's hard because there's no response. There's no, like, agreement. There's no enjoyment of connecting with her. Some of you are here today and you're like, you know what? This is a, this is a message where I need to tame my tongue. It's not a moralistic message. This is a message of becoming more like Jesus. But it's hard to become like Jesus every day. Because we're human. We have needs. We have emotions. But can I encourage you? The Bible says that Abraham was righteous because of his faith and because he obeyed. And I just feel God, through me, giving you a word. If you're tired and you're, it's been difficult and you're emotionally drained, what does the Bible say in Galatians 6, 9? Do not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And I just want to encourage you, be faithful. You might not see the reward on earth. You might not reap the benefits here. But all you know is that you're obeying God and you're pleasing him. And I think sometimes that should be enough. That we're just pleasing God today. That God sees everything. He sees everything happening in your lives with your family, with your health, with your finances, with your children, with this church. God sees everything. And so many times it's so easy for us to take things by our own hands. But God says, no, do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Do not curse, bless. So I just pray for my mom every single day even though I'm probably not going to see the benefits of it because there's no cure for Alzheimer's. The only hope I have is that God is with me, I'm obeying him, and I'm becoming more like him. And through my mom's situation, um, God's given me more of a softer heart, not only for Alzheimer's patients, but for the elderly. Romans 8.28 says, In all things God works for the good of those who love him. And God has opened my heart to the community of elderly through my mother to pray for them at least on a daily basis, not just my mom. Do you see how when you expose yourself to prayer, when you expose yourself to God's word, you expose yourself to worshiping God, even when there's no reason to worship God, when you look at your circumstances, but you worship God because of who he is, and because of the cross, and because he loves us, and because of his forgiveness of his sins, you start, it changes your words, it changes your, not just your words, it changes how you see people. You're more forgiving towards yourself, you're more kind to people, not because you want something back, but because you see how richly God has already given to you. I see many of you are, uh, you know, full-grown in your adulthood, but if you still have parents who are, you know, still alive, man, be good to them. Be good to them. Be good to your children. Be good to your spouses. Be good to your family. I want to end my sermon with this uh, story that I heard in seminary, actually, of a Christian father who had a little girl who all the kids made fun of. And they didn't make... Uh, if they didn't make fun of her, she noticed through their stares. They were always staring at her in a weird way because this girl was born with a birthmark, a red line from 
the top across her forehead all the way down to her face, really noticeable. And she was always embarrassed. One day she goes up to her dad and says, Dad, how did I get this red line? No other kid has this but me. And the father, looking ever so compassionately at his daughter, says, Honey, when you were born, it's where the angel kissed you so that you would be easy to find in a big crowd. This girl smiled. And her father's encouraging words no longer made her ashamed of her birthmark because she knew that she was loved by her father. Can I say to you this morning, whatever situation you're in today, you are loved by even a perfect father, our heavenly father. He loves this church. He loves your family. And he knows he is so sovereign. He is so sovereign. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just share this. Uh, uh, so Jennifer and I, uh, we actually got married this year. And, uh, and uh, I mean, who wouldn't marry a handsome fellow like me? <laughs> but, uh, but in actuality, there were a lot of tears because, uh, uh, you know, it, it took me into my... Uh, midlife almost to 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 find her and um, I just had to pray and pray and pray to the Lord and it was very difficult a month before I met her and our um, engagement and everything else went rather quickly because we both knew our vision and where we were in life um, I had said God I will still serve you for the rest of my life even if you don't find me a spouse. I have prayed that prayer 20 other times, but it didn't work. This time it did. I think what God revealed to me was I wasn't genuine the other 20 times. My heart was 98%, but this time it was 100. I had surrendered. And I was on Coffee Meets Bagel, all, you know, the uh, e-harmony. I was on all those things because faith without action is dead. But I had surrendered in the right way. And and I just want, you know, I think one of the songs we just sang, but waiting is one of the hardest things to do. Jennifer and I are, are waiting, waiting to have children, waiting to find our next steps for ministry. But I realize in the waiting, my experience is that God in his sovereignty, he changes you and he prepares you. That's what I find God doing with us. And I find God's goodness in that. I want to just encourage you. I don't know your situation, but if you're in a period of waiting and you've been praying like the persistent widow and you don't see any answers, God's listening to you. Keep on praying. Keep on trusting. Because all of these examples I'm giving you will shape your words. Not only the spoken, but the unspoken words. I pray that this church will continue to glorify and become more like its master, Jesus Christ. And I pray that even today, as we bow our heads now and take this time to pray, as you have your eyes closed, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 
13.13. That says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men and women of courage. Be strong. And then verse 14, do everything in love. Do everything in love. As you have your eyes closed and heads bowed, I just want to ask you, What have been the meditations of your heart? I'm just going to say a few things in relationship to the tongue. And I say this to myself as well. I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict us all. But have we been guilty this past week of the lying tongue? Of the flattering tongue? Of the manipulating tongue? Of the divisive tongue? Of the gossiping tongue? of the belittling tongue, of the cynical tongue, of the rude tongue, of the judgmental tongue, the complaining tongue, maybe giving someone the silent tongue, the silent treatment, the retaliating tongue. Friends, As we come before the Lord, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit is gently convicting you, if you could just come before the cross now and just say, Jesus, heal me. Heal my heart. Heal my heart. And help me, fill me with your love, God. Help me not to take control with my thoughts, with my words, but God, help me to surrender to you. Help me not to be overcome by evil, but help me to overcome evil with good. Why? Because our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. Our words have the potential to hurt. It's evil. It has that potential. And lastly, our words can it can hurt or it can help our witness. We evangelize through our words. And so God, for these important reasons, may Christ heal and touch my heart. I become more like him and become an ambassador. Not perfect, but even as a broken ambassador, a sinful ambassador that I could be used by you to bless and not curse. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.